0: Well, hi there, this is Kermit D.
1: I'm Captain Kurt.
0: Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic.
1: Thank you, thank
0: you, love you much. Most illogical. I sir. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. places. Oh,
1: Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Ferrangian things, to episode 103 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve.
0: And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve?
1: It's the Muppets and Star Trek. We have been doing one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek the Animated Series, but we have some big news this episode. What is it, Jarman?
0: Oh, well, this episode is reaches the end of the Animated Series, not just season two, but the whole series. Um, so we're gonna do our top three, bottom three of the season, which is kind of easy because there's six episodes. Yeah, And then very our quick. top three, bottom three of the whole show to see yeah. if this changed it all. That's right.
1: Uh and this week we have uh the Muppet Show with special guest James Coburn and the final animated series episode, the
0: counterclock incident. Ooh, very nice. It is very nice. <laughs> but first, Steve, tell us about the guest star uh James Coburn. Who is this guy?
1: James Coburn, he's an American actor who had uh, made it big as mostly like a tough guy cowboy over more than a 45-year career and even won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in 1998 for his role in the movie Affliction mm. with Nick Nolte. Um, but what does our audience know him from? Well, if you ever watched a cowboy movie with your dad, there's a fair chance he was in it. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: he was in The Magnificent Seven and dozens more, including in like Flint and a few others. Um, but most of us are going to know him from the animated voice of playing the main villain in Monsters Inc., the eight-legged Mister Water Noose, <laughs>
0: and, and he also that,
1: cameoed. Oh yeah,
0: I was saying he has that that low, recognizable, gravelly voice too. Yeah, in most things. Uh, but he
1: also cameoed in the Muppet movie, the original, uh, where he played the owner of the El Slezio Cafe.
0: Oh, God, gotcha. Jim.
1: Maybe you should tell the owner, I am the owner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I forgot all about that.
1: But what's he up to this week on The Muppet Show? Well, backstage, uh, Animal is just on a tear and extra crazy, and James teaches him the true meaning of rage and then the f- true meaning of serenity. Uh, he teaches him how to control and meditate, and instead of a gunfight seat at the end, we are treated to something very different. On stage this week, Kermit introduces James Coburn, but first we get an octopus drum corps, Uh, and then animal just viciously assaults and injures them. Uh, next we get like a Wayne and Wanda esque duo as they perform close to you. And it felt like it probably should have been Wayne and Wanda. Uh, in this case, the lady, whatnot is struck by birds, stars and angel babies. And also random, like sea urchin children who all just want to be close to her. Kermit introduces James Coburn in a dedication to the Roaring Twenties. We get go to like a full flapper club where there's a giant dancing bird. And Gonzo's a mafia boss. And James enters the joint and roughs up the place. Uh, but he didn't bring backup. Animal charges on stage to back him up. And then uh, all James Coburn wants to do is play some jazz flute. Jazz <laughs> yes, flute. Uh, up next, we get Bear on Patrol where Banana Nose Maldonado has been caught. But he somehow talks his way out of it, despite the fact that he literally has a banana for a nose. Kurt introduces James in a salute to Japan. He plays a gong. Animal joins him, but he can't keep his cool, just playing the gong. Then cowboys show up, and stereotypical racial depictions of Japanese women, and they have a hoedown. And James Coburn does multiple times does a racist accent. And makes reference to Chinese food when he's singing about Japan.
0: Yeah, it's terrible.
1: (laughs) Kermit, thanks, James, one last time.
0: And that is what we call the Muppet Show. So, Jared, what what did you
1: think of this week's episode with James Coburn?
0: Uh, Before we get to that horror that was the end... um, I did like the Coburn animal pair up because him being known as a tough guy—that was all- good. Yeah, the whole f- it was funny, like showing him how to be- calm himself, you know. But then at the same time, they they have like minds; they like to throw things around, and destroy things. Um, another episode with barely any Miss Piggy. She had like one line. That was it. Yeah, very little Miss Piggy. You're absolutely right. It's weird. Two in a row. Um, and there's that culturally insensitive warning we had at the beginning. Yeah. I'm like, when, when's it coming? And then, bam, right oh, at the end. the tribute to
1: Japan. We found it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I thought it was an okay episode. I mean, I thought James Coburn was surprisingly good with the Muppets. He seemed to really be enjoying himself there. A lot of weird, creepy smiles. With this giant teeth that he has. Yeah, um, that <laughs> and, wide grin. Yeah, and he was actually. I always complain about this with hosts. They don't put them in enough skits where they play characters. And even though he was playing versions of himself, he was still playing different like shows and skits like in those in those right. worlds. Um, I get behind that. Yeah, so I was like, that's pretty cool. They finally got him in costume and things like that. Um, and he did some talk singing and things like that. So it was, you know, I liked I liked him as a host in general. Um, but we didn't get many of our usual skits besides what's the, the Fozzie Patrolman skit. What's that called again? I yeah, can't Bear remember. on Patrol. Bear on Patrol. That's right. Um, and the backstage plot was nothing really to speak of except for the octopuses causing havoc around the place. Um, so pretty middling for me as far as all that goes. This what one's pretty
1: low for me. James Coburn just didn't do it for me. And this is one of those episodes where it was over and I went, where did the episode go? Like it flew by, but not in a good way.
0: Like, nothing really happened. Yeah. Nothing no, happened. And that I think plot's identify. really important.
1: Well, not only that, they just, what you look at this episode, there were like two very long sketches with very little around them. There mm. was the, the Roaring 20s flapper thing that had like two musical numbers and a bit in between that went on for a really long time. That's true. And then you had. The, the dressing room thing lead into the on stage thing with the gongs, which was like a sketch with two different musical things happening during it. And that went on for a really long time. And between those two, that was like two thirds of the episode.
0: It was a lot of racism. those two sketches.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, this, this episode flew by, but not
0: in a good way. Yeah, it's a rare occasion that it'll happen, but it was – I agree. It, was, it felt very short, but at the same time, like – not while it was happening. So I agree with that. Once
1: again, what I got most outraged by in this, the whole ending was that they're doing these stereotypical things about Japan. And then he makes a line about Chinese food. I know. And that was where I was like, come on, you can't,
0: God, and they mentioned Kung Fu, like you which brought, is... you brought
1: in a different group of people <laughs> entirely into this.
0: Like, get your racism right. If you're going to be racist, well, <laughs> it's, just,
1: it's just we're just at least only insult one people instead of like three different distinct people with one thing.
0: But isn't that how we bring each other together? <laughs> I just, guess. Uh, no, I guess it's awful. It's, this one, this
1: one earned and deserves the warning that it had.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. Um, oh, man. Man, this won't be making any list. Uh, that's for sure.
1: That's right. So, German uh, music this week, we got mm-hmm. temptation, which we've also actually heard before. It was on the very first episode recorded with Juliet Prowse in season one. Wow. And it was performed by the Muppet Glee Club. And it was the first featured name performance of Miss Piggy, where she stepped out of the chorus and sang. It was temptation. Oh, wow. Uh, Close to you by Burt Bacharach uh, and made famous by the Carpenters. Uh, Bert just actually passed away not long ago in February at the age of 94.
0: Yeah, he was old when he was in uh, Austin Powers in the 90s. So I'm Every time
1: he... I see him in my head, he has fully white hair. So that's how mm-hmm. I know he's old. Exactly. Uh, the Varsity Drag by Henderson, De Silva, and Brown. Um, it was also from this musical called Good News, which featured uh, the best things in life are free, which is another song we've heard on the show before. Uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band from Irving Berlin in 1911. While not Berlin's first hit, it was the one that really put him on the international scene, and it's since been covered by the likes of Louis Armstrong, Bing Crosby, and Ray Charles. And then Japanese Square Dance, that's oh, the yeah. actual name, by Derek Scott, who was a musical associate for The Muppet Show, wrote this specifically for The Muppet Show. Oh. This is the same person that did all of Rolf's the Dog's actual piano performances, as well as the theme song to Pigs in Space and Veterinarian's Hospital, all marred by Japanese Square Dance. (laughs) Oh, God. So, General, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week?
0: Um, It was kind of short, but I think it was done really well, which was the octopuses playing the drums. um, Because they had to not only control the octopus and their mouths and their bodies, but then also their tentacles hitting the drums at the right time. And then they were playing kazoos and stuff. I was like, that was a lot going on for a little short bit. So I, I really appreciated that.
1: I also totally gave it to the octopuses. I <laughs> loved the drumming. I thought it was so well choreographed and done so well.
0: Exactly. They spent time on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. They spent time on that. Um, or they have like very specific skills as Muppet drummers.
0: Yes. Only Muppet drum, only them. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, German, what
0: happened on this, the final episode of Star Trek, the animated series? Oh, yes. The counterclock incident. So we have the Enterprise escorting a special guest to the planet Babel. It's the first captain of the Enterprise before Pike, uh, Robert April, who's now a Commodore, and his wife, Sarah, who used to be the chief medical officer of the Enterprise. She even designed the tools in the sickbay that Bones uses. And they're taking April to Babel for his retirement ceremony. Which he's very grumbly about. He doesn't want to retire. He's too young. Uh, Suddenly, they encounter a ship coming right towards them at crazy fast speeds near warp 30, which I don't think is physically possible. Uh, And they notice the ship is traveling right toward a star that has gone supernova. And if they don't stop it, it will destroy itself. So they try to at least slow it down with their tractor beam uh, and try hailing the vessel. And they get a response back from the sole person on the ship. And it's this woman, but she's speaking backwards. And when they reverse the message, they learn that she is pleading with them to stop slowing her down or she'll be destroyed. And when they can't stop her, they try to release the tractor beam so their ship doesn't get pulled in with her. But they can't, and the whole ship is not responding, so they're pulled into the supernova after her. And as they think they're about to die, they're suddenly in another universe where everything is backwards to our universe. And they're able to make contact with the woman again who's now speaking forwards to them. And she tells him that she is an explorer from this universe, and apparently, when a star is born in her universe, in the same place in time that a star goes supernova in our universe, a portal between our two worlds opens for that split second, and she was accidentally pulled into the wrong universe. So, they beam down to her planet, Eret, which is Terra, spelled backwards, the inverse of Earth, uh, where her son is waiting for them, and he's an old, wise scientist, because people age backwards here. So her son is old and her father's a baby (laughs) and they figure out together that they can actually artificially make a star be born in her universe in the same place. The star is going supernova in theirs by shooting a dead star in their universe with positive energy from our universe. Make that make sense. But they have to go be going as fast as her ship can go at, at warp 30 to make it through the supernova in time. So she agrees to sacrifice her ship and let it pull the enterprise via tractor beam so it can fly through as fast as she can. And then they pull off the mission by creating the supernova portal and blasting through it to return to our universe. But on their way, they are aging in reverse. So the whole crew is turning into teenagers and children. And Spock holds on the longest since he's a Vulcan and they age slower. But even he eventually has to turn over command to Robert April, who is the oldest. And at this point, he and his wife are just easily in their 30s around that area. So once they return to our universe, they figure out they can have the whole crew go through the transporters as it'll, the memory of their biosignatures will return them to their correct age. And April and his wife, Sarah, have the option to stay young. But ridiculously, they decide to stay old because he says, I wouldn't want to live my life over again. I wouldn't change a thing. And I thought, you're not changing anything, you dumbass. You just get to live some more. <laughs> so <laughs> it made no sense. But that's uh, the counterclock incident, Steve, what do you think of the episode? All right. So some
1: things I liked. So this really bums me out that the two best episodes of this entire series are the last two that we watch. <laughs> I really dug this episode just like the last one. Um I thought the I the idea of these like true pioneers in space travel being there um and then my question is, like, do they come up at anywhere else? Like, I want to know. Oh, yeah.
0: I'll tell you about it later.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, it's warp 36 is what they quote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the crazy language. Um, and then we hear the Enterprise hit warp 16. And, but they say the speed increases like four times after that, but they don't name another number. But we can assume the Enterprise goes like warp 20 somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I loved the getting dragged by a tractor beam. It was a good time setup for the time explanation via the flower. Like that was a clever device. Yeah. Um, I loved the crazy stacked dimensions plot, like two places living on top of each other in different realities. Um, and just I wrote down what a great plot device in general. And this is more a credit to Star Trek and it overall is anytime they come back a commercial, you get that captain's log that literally recaps everything you missed. Yeah or details you weren't paying attention to. And it's used throughout Star Trek. And it's such a genius device to get your
0: audience back engaged. That's why they never get rid Um, of it.
1: (laughs) I love the idea of the crew getting too young to operate. And it was a great payoff for the older couple being there. Mm. That like one final hurrah. Um, I loved the baby crew. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But... uh, Okay, I'm going to name my last favorite thing before I name my one issue. Okay. So, Baby Crew. I love that they were going to Babel, which is something that we know from the original series. I think it was like a diplomatic episode. It was when we first meet Spock's Spock's father. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Spock's parents are on board. Uh,
1: I love that. My one issue with the entire episode is why the fuck did the baby's clothes all resize perfectly with them?
0: That's true.
1: Did the clothes de-age as well? Did clothes start as baby clothes and grow into full-size clothes? <laughs> These
0: are organic clothes, yeah. Is this what you're <laughs>
1: saying, Star Trek? makes No sense. If anything, they should have been covered in, like, moths or something as it de-aged and turned back into... Because they say it's from bio-plant matter at one point, right?
0: Oh, the clothes and such?
1: Yeah. I oh, think maybe. they established that at some point. We have to look it up. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that was my one issue. But otherwise... Man, two great back to back episodes that I dug both of, and I'm so bummed that they're the last two.
0: <laughs> no more animated series for us. I know. Uh. Yeah, I, not, till, I not we get- until
1: we get to Lower Decks. That's the next oh, one. Oh, that's right?
0: true. In a few years' time, <laughs> like ten years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I really like that Robert April is there. He is a uh, he was a, the original title of in the original script of star Trek, that was the first name of the captain before they changed it to Christopher Pike last minute. So the writer used that name for the, this admiral who was going to be the first captain of the enterprise. And you can see him now in, uh, both discovery, I believe, and definitely in strange new worlds, Robert April is back as an admiral. Very um, cool. Played by a black man too, with being progressive and everything. Very nice. Uh, Um, but it's, yeah, he's, he's a great character. Um, it's kind of like a tertiary character, but uh, yeah, you had a lot of weird. Sc- um, uh, Jim- Jimmy Dewan doing a lot of the voices here, and the old man voices were pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, doesn't yeah, happen.
1: I feel like as the shows going on, Doohan has just lost more and more of his charm as a voice actor. <laughs> like he, he cared so about many. it less and less. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, especially that and the Native American guy from the last one, where I was like, why did Scotty just say that? <laughs> like, it was just his
0: voice. <laughs> At least he didn't do a really bad like Native American accent. That's true.
1: It could have been far more racist. We could have had a wording at the beginning of that episode as well. It's
0: true. But I love the actors trying to do children's voices, especially William Shatner. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know where I yeah. am. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, I thought it was a really solid episode. And my one gripe was just that if you have a chance to be 30 again, you take it. It's you like, do it. You're not that- reliving your life and erasing the things you did in the past. You're just, you know... You're living a whole new life. Like, you're, you're, your life's extended. Like, why wouldn't you take it? That and the baby clothes, two big issues. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it was upper middle episode for me. But I'm glad you really liked it. <laughs> Man, it was good. It was good. <laughs> All right. Well, well, some trivia for this episode. Um, this was the last Star Trek production until the motion picture five years later. So this is the longest period of time in which the franchise laid dormant. Uh, this was also wow. the last episode of the Star Trek franchise to feature scenes set in the 23rd century until Trials and Tribulations in 1996, which did a flashback kind of episode. Um, the planet they're headed to, Babel, as we mentioned, was from Journey to Babel, where we beat Spock's parents. Yep. Uh, they were also attending a conference there. Um, the Eret I mentioned is Terra, spelled backwards. Uh, that name had also been previously used for a planet, Return to Tomorrow, in from 1968 hmm. episode. Only in an early script draft and not in the final version of the installment. So they oh, had well. in their head. All right,
1: story checks out.
0: It's not exactly clear why, when the Enterprise is hurrying towards ANOVA so it can return to our universe, the rate at which persons aboard the ship are becoming younger speeds up. Um, but the explanation for that, according to the writer, was um, in our universe, the faster you travel, the slower you age, as Einstein has told us, which is true. Like, You actually age slower when you're in space, like a lot of astronauts are like minutes younger than they would have been on Earth, which is kind of cool. But in the reverse universe, the faster they travel, the faster they age or in this case, grow younger. Uh, So there was an explanation written in the original script, but they cut it down for time because it has to be a 20 minute long episode. Um, But yeah, that was the reason why when they started doing warp, they started de-aging really fast um, at that point, which makes a lot more sense now that you think about it. Um, But yeah, that's a little trivia there. So what's our Trek yeah. Connection Muppet Connection? Oh, time boy, now? I
1: got two great ones. Coburn was actually originally in the final running for the role of Captain Pike in the original series pilot.
0: I did not know that.
1: Uh, and then Coburn was also famous for his role in In Like Flint, the co- cowboy flick. Alongside him in the movie was Yvonne Craig, who played one of the Orion slave girls in Star Trek, the original series episode Whom Gods Destroy. Ah,
0: uh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good connection. It is. Uh, but these are basically the same episode, uh, right?
1: Uh, yeah, H- I mean, they both feature worlds colliding, the Enterprise, and the backward universe, and Japanese culture, and cowboys slash racism.
0: <laughs> so true. Uh, both had things that look like tentacles uh, the octopuses oh. in The Muppet Show, and the diagram of the Milky Way galaxy in I The Starship with episode. all those little
1: suckers on it. Yeah,
0: yeah well, it looks like an octopus. Uh, both
1: feature things being pulled In against their will, the Enterprise being unable to detach itself and dragged through the Nova and the stars, birds and angel babies being drawn to and stuck
0: onto the female whatnot. (laughs) That's so true. Uh, Both episodes have characters entering somewhere they don't belong. Uh, You have James Coburn and animal into the lounge of the 1920s number and then the Enterprise crew entering the backwards universe in Star Trek. And uh, I had a third one here. Hit both e- both episodes have our main characters saved by someone who is there miraculously to help them out out of nowhere. The Tokyo Tai Chi Karate and Chowder Society. Yes, that's what they were called. Uh-huh. Uh, they saved the closing number miraculously on The Muppet Show. And the convenient scientist in the backwards universe helping to solve the Enterprise's dilemma on Star Trek. It's true. Nice. Oh, but what's that? Ah! Transporter, oh, God. Not ah! Transporter, not punching. All right. It's a part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and then vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? Mumps to Trek this week. I'm going to bring the entire episode and put it
1: into that reverse time world. So we would start with the final bow, uh, get through the racism really fast up front, and then have an OK episode afterwards and end with the opening
0: theme. See, I was picturing when you said that, that it would reverse the racism so that it would be oh, really reverse
1: wor- racism. That's even better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Be racist against white people.
1: <laughs> it starts with them dancing together and it realizing the cow making the cowboys leave. Like, that's what they realize.
0: They, need, yeah, yeah, they exactly.
1: go and leave these people alone.
0: <laughs> uh, Muppets of Star Trek. I have Statler and Waldorf are going to transport to take the place of Robert April and his wife. Because I think it'd be great to see them de-age into their younger selves, and they would definitely choose to stay that way. They wouldn't change That's back. That's right. Uh, Trick to Muppets. I'm going to
1: take the old couple and replace them with the convict in Bear on Patrol, where the, it'd be a. I think it'd be a good gimmick where he booked them in as two elderly people. And then as they look in on them, they're just younger and younger until they're <laughs> two kids that slip through the bars and make a run for it. <laughs>
0: That was quite great. Right? Uh, Star Trek Muppets, I'd have Spock transport over to take the place of James Coburn because I think he'd be really good at making Animal learn to meditate and calm himself, you know, give him a therapeutic mind meld to calm him down. I think it'd be great. Nice. <laughs> but now we're coming to the part of the show. We're going to give our top three, bottom three of season two of the animated series. So and then we're our final
1: top three, bottom three of the entire series. That's right. It's a lot. Uh, so where do you want to start?
0: Let's do uh, uh let's do our best of first.
1: Then, best uh, of. Okay, so my best of, three best from last season, the jihad. Uh, I like the the pace, very quick. And it oh, was like, Oh, hold on a, part- a second. Wait, what? wait,
0: Uh let's do the the season three first. Did you do oh, that? Oh, I thought you
1: were saying overall.
0: No, no, the season three first and then overall.
1: okay. Well, yeah, we can do that. Perfect episode. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> um okay. So it's my top three for season two. Now this is out of six. So yeah. <laughs> not all, not one of these was not a gem. And that one is BEM. It was not great, but at least there were interesting races. It was, it's always neat to see the juxtaposition between like the new age of Trek tech and primitives. I think it always interesting, uh, but that one, yeah, it it's, it makes it there by attrition. I can see that. Uh, and then the last two. How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, D&D Party Puzzle where they've got to put snake statues to do a thing, great lore dumps about human history and the implications, and for whatever reason, a benevolent godlike entity that I found tolerable, which is pretty rare for this show in general. That's true. Uh, and the counterclock incident, the one we just listed for the reasons I talked about. Great premise, huge implications, excellent setup that only gets better as the episode goes on. And Star Trek babies. It has it all.
0: <laughs> Star Trek babies.
1: Star Trek babies. They're beaming, beaming up to, to you. you.
0: <laughs> all right. My top three for the season um, will be one or one is Albatross. Okay. Uh, I thought it was fun and I, it had a lot of action. It was a unique plot. Uh, they, they'd imprisoned an officer on a planet and trumped up charges in later series, but they hadn't done it yet on, on this one. So it had bones being trapped there under charges and had a lot of funny moments in it. I thought that was really nice. Um, number two, I'll give to the counter Glock incident. Um, I yeah. really liked that it had Robert April and it was a really cool sci fi concept that went really well. They explained things well, and it was great seeing people as babies. I wish we could have seen more of it, like see more of them as kids um seen more of this backward universe, and the implications of that. That would have been really cool. But we just had that twenty three minute episode. So I thought it was done really well. And my third one is the practical joker. I mean Kirk is a jerk. Come on. It's the <laughs> best best shirt ever. That's um, true. But it had great pacing. I love the ship was the the Joker the whole time with um Majel Barrett's voice, all those jokes and it was just really silly and fun. It was really lighthearted. So that was my last one. Yeah. What all about right. your bottom three?
1: Bottom three, I'm going to start with the Echo, the practical joker. I thought the premise was rough, the joking aspect didn't make a ton of sense, and the fact that the crew all turned on each other so fast was just not believable. <laughs> and just and then the ship playing a prank, it was just too much suspension of mi- disbelief for even for me for Star Trek. Mm-hmm, gotcha. Uh, in second place, I put the albatross, uh, the color plague didn't grab me. And uh, what was seemed to be set up as a bone centric episode didn't pay off because he wasn't in a lot of it. And I didn't like that. I heard you mentioning that. Yeah. And then the Pirates of Orion, lame Orion's Spock sickness isn't a super compelling hook. And there's political backplay that we just don't care about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You remember that. I'm surprised. Uh yeah, my bottom three. My I we also share the Pirates of Orion. Um, I I saw that in my notes that you sent over that I kind of liked this episode, but since I don't remember anything from it except the general premise, I'm saying in this season it falls in my bottom three because it was just and also apparently Bones was racist, so we don't like that. Um, then I put How sharper than a serpent's tooth, um, because I thought it was the same old God concept we've seen before. You know, kind of saying are humans worthy and. It just didn't do it for me, and uh, I don't know. It was just kind of like, meh. But I did like the things that you mentioned about it, because I didn't hate the episode. That's the thing. And all of season six, or season two, I didn't hate any of these six episodes. I think they were and all kind th- of decent. These
1: were overall much higher standard than last season. They I were, I agree. Agreed.
0: Yeah, so like, I didn't hate any of these bottom three. Um, and then, bam, I, put, I didn't hate this episode, but uh, it was yet another alien who had to be convinced that humans were okay, and also... Ben was kind of a dick. And so it was just like the main guy was just kind of annoying. The voice he had for him was Scott from Jimmy doing was not fun. Um, But yeah, so it wasn't terrible. It's just that it, it didn't, it didn't hit me like it hit you. That's all. Yeah, that's fair. So wait, which one did we share in common there? The Pirates of Orion.
1: So we can both agree that a Pirates of Orion is the shit episode
0: of this season. <laughs> shit episode. Shit episode this season. But man, we diverged quite a bit there. So that's We good. did.
1: Only one overlap.
0: It's kind of crazy. I like it. So now let's talk
1: about the new best three and the new worst three. And if yes. these take the spot of any of the existing title holders.
0: So what are our old ones?
1: So my old ones were uh, Jihad, Time Trap, and Eye of the Beholder. As your top three? Uh, as my top three. Mm. And uh, on the, I guess we're just sticking with top three. And I think House Sharpers in a Serpent's Tooth and The Counterclock Instant knock out two of those episodes. So Jihad and Time Trapper out. Oh. I have the beholder holds its place. I loved the missing people aspect. Had a very strong opening. I, I loved how ridiculous it was that bones got crushed by Godzilla and was somehow okay. Oh, I forgot about that. And they all that. ended up being <laughs> crazy slug villains in a space zoo. It just had everything.
0: <laughs> it's got everything. So I have the beholder. It's House New York's serpent's
1: <laughs> tooth and the counter clock incident are the three best <laughs> episodes of the entire animated series, in my opinion.
0: The entire man series. All right. My old ones were uh, Yesteryear, uh, The Magics of Magus 2, and The Lorelei Signal. And uh, I am going to keep Yesteryear because I love that so much with Spock's lore and stuff like that, and Mark Leonard's and his father. And I'm keeping The Magics of Magus 2 because for some reason it's my nostalgic <laughs> animated made series episode. <laughs> you, just, you, you love that fucking yoked Satan oh he's, he's so get great
1: look at my <laughs> oh, abs gonna look spot- at them
0: he's gonna spot me so hard <laughs> yeah he is um but then <laughs> i'm kicking out the lorelei signal and putting in the practical joker because i really enjoyed that episode oh, oh man it was fun. oh
1: that hurts me that hurts me <laughs> all right so now let's talk about the bottom three yes I like that you and I didn't have any overlap for the top three. I like That's it, with, true. it being two completely divergent lists. All right. So um, my original bottom three were more triples, more trouble, uh, because it felt like it had already been done once upon a planet and the infinite Vulcan.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and I am I'm putting the practical Joker in and it is taking the place of once upon a planet.
0: Wow! So
1: now my bottom three are more troubles, more trouble, the infinite Vulcan, and the Practical Joker.
0: That that's crazy. Um, yeah, my original bottom three were one of our planets are missing. I thought it had a terrible title, and it was just it was it was a battle round. Uh, once upon a planet as well, and beyond the furthest star. Um, and I'm going to. Keep all three of them. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's fair.
1: We did say this is overall higher caliber.
0: Yeah. I just didn't think any of my bottom three from this season were worse than those. And they, they weren't all that terrible. They were just, well, some were boring. Some were just like not interesting or retreads. And, but we both share once upon a planet.
1: That's right. Once upon a planet. Well, mine, it fell out, but that means it's like number four.
0: Worst. Oh, that's true. That's true. Good point. Good
1: point. Um, but yeah, so that is our final ruling. I star Trek, the animated series. Check it out if you haven't, but only the episodes we liked. That's right. You don't need to trust us, right?
0: (laughs) I'm sure it'll be a long time before we review a whole series again, besides the little Muppet show. But then for Star Trek, it'll be next generation in like four years. That's right. So that brings us to the end of episode 103 of the Muppet Trek Podcast.
1: Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Brooke Shields. And just to note, this episode is not on Disney Plus due to copyright stuff that is being figured out or maybe won't ever be figured out. So we're going to have to find it someplace special. And
0: so will you if you want to watch along. (laughs) Maybe go to your local library and get an old VHS cassette That's right, (laughs) And we'll watch the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Encounter at Point. I am so excited to get into next generation
1: after the animated series episode finished on my television. It started playing the first episode of next generation. And I was like, all right, it knows. Yeah, we're getting started, (laughs) but buckle in for that. We're starting a whole new chapter here on the Muppet Trek podcast.
0: And from the lovers, the dreamers and us live long and prosper. Everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play On Nerds.